What's up, fellow passengers? Welcome back on this wonderful, fantastic voyage with me and my friend Trevor Kirkendall. I am Scotty Williams. We're here to check out the movie from June 22nd of 2001 in the rear view. And ironic that a lot of our ideas in this show come around driving because uh, this film has a little driving in it, doesn't it? A little bit. <laughs> Just a Just touch. a little. Just a touch. So June 22nd... Um... What were you doing? I was running in a 5K without my shoes. Oh, still. You've been <laughs> still, running that 5K for a week. Still running. It was in Greenville, I remember. Uh, my first trip to Greenville before eventually attending ECU. It was a 5K at the old facility. I think it was the Ronald McDonald House, actually. It was a charity 5K. And I had bought a brand new pair of Nikes. And like most kids, I bought them because I thought it looked cool. So I bought them, and they were slip-ons. You should not wear slip-ons to run in. Well, no. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. Except for my dad, who did not talk me out of it. And wore them, kicked them off about halfway through, and by the time dad and the coach saw me coming back down the way, I was sprinting to the finish line, and, and luckily I had been smart enough to double sock that day. Otherwise, I would have been completely tore up. Oh, okay. I would have been freaking John McClane and Die Hard. Did you, were you cut? I was just about to ask that. Did you have John McClane feet after that done? Were you cut at all? Did it go oh, yes. through the socks? Yeah, I sure. Yes. Fair amount of blood, pretty good amount of bruising, because you'll recall that the roads around Greenville in that part of town were not especially well paved. No. Ran on quite a bit of loose gravel. But they weren't yeah. in they weren't when we were there. I don't know about now. I've <laughs> driven through there recently and it seems really nice now. Oh nice. Yeah. So what was Trevor Kirkendall up to on June twenty second of two thousand and one? Um we were we were probably getting ready to take a vacation. Um my dad and my sister were driving up to Illinois. We used to I lived there between like 88 and 94 i think was when i lived there and um so we still had some pretty good friends i mean we'd only lived down here for about i guess six years or going on six years at that time so we were still very much in contact with a lot of people up there pre-facebook by the way so that tells you uh how hard it was to keep up with and and what a remarkable accomplishment that was but, yeah, I don't know if we'd left that week, but we were leaving at some point soon. Actually, I don't think we'd left yet now that I think about it, um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, yeah, I think that we were uh, we were getting ready to go. So I was probably working a lot. I was working at the video store. I guess I can name the video store as Blockbuster since it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so, But, yeah, uh, and that brings us to June 22nd. And what came out on this day? Nothing really. Um, just a little movie called The Fast and the Furious. Um, I guess it was about cars and it was going to um, do pretty well for the box office that they decided they were going to make, you know, 100 more of them over the next 10 or 15 years. <laughs> I can't believe that this movie started that whole franchise that is still going on today and has been as successful as it has and has really become a it has become a caricature of itself too because because future movies now it's really not even a question of plot i'll, I'll preface that by saying i have not meaningfully watched any fashion the furious movie since this one 
but you know, you watch from the outside, it's like, ah, they're all just, uh, what right, can we make yeah, a car how ridiculous now? can it be? But it has actually gone on to be the uh, seventh highest grossing franchise in history. The seventh. <laughs> seventh, yeah. Overall, there's 10 films in this franchise, and it has grossed over $6.1 billion worldwide. Jesus Lord, that's a lot of money for a car yeah. movie. And that's that's number seven. There's six more in front of it. <laughs> six more. Okay. So, uh, number so uh, number one, two, and three. I'm gonna guess. Uh, okay. Number, number one has to be Star Wars. Okay, that's your guess. Number one. So what's number two? Number two, I'm gonna go. With, oh man, I'm I'm probably wrong now. One and or two, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has to be, or the Marvel movies, I guess, are a franchise to themselves. I'm gonna go. Marvel's mm-hmm. number one. Star Wars is number two. And the third one is a franchise. A franchise of movies. Blanking on the third one. What? How did I do? Okay. Well, so I'll start by saying that uh, the Marvel movies are grouped together as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they're also grouped together as individual characters too. Okay? So um, I'll get to the top three. I'll just tell you what's above it. So uh, number six is James Bond. Okay. Um, that's grossed over $7 billion. Um, number five, we get Spider-Man, and they're counting nine movies in that, which include the Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, the even Mar- made by different studios. Yeah, different. You know, the, the Marvel movies are in there. The Raimi movies are in there. The Into Mark the Spider-Verse is in there. Yeah, that's all in there. And so those are responsible for about $7.2 billion. Huh. Then above that, we look at the four Avengers movies. Okay, so huh. they've grouped those together by themselves. So that's about $7.8 billion. So that brings us to number three. Number three is the Wizarding World, also known as Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah, and so we have to call it that now because they have the Fantastic Beasts movies. Right, and um, the crimes Two of them and a yeah. forthcoming third one, but uh, there's ten movies in that altogether, and those are responsible. So I said Avengers by themselves, 7.7. Um, Harry Potter, uh, $9.2 billion. Um, number two would be Star Wars. Um, they're counting 12 movies in that, which include the uh, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy, um, the two anthology movies, the Rogue mm. One and Han Solo. Um, Han Solo movie. And then they're also counting the Clone Wars movie, the animated movie yeah. that came out ahead of the TV series. So those 12 movies are responsible for $10.3 billion. Whew. Yeah. It's, all, then, it's all just so, play money now. Right. It doesn't even, it's, it's not even real. Um, which then brings us to the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, at number one. There's 23 movies in that. Um, not the most for a franchise. That would be James Bond, which has 26 movies, but Marvel will pass that this year. They'll tie mm. it this year, actually. they got three movies coming out this year. So Oh, it's the Tom, they're the Tom Brady of movies. They're just going to keep oh, going. Yeah. yeah, they're the GOATs. So um, 23 movies, Marvel Cinematic Universe, number one, $22.5 billion. So more than double second place. Yeah, more than double second. And they're just going to keep going, you know, because they got years of movies planned out in front of it. Uh, you you want to talk about the rear view. Can you imagine going back to 2008 and The Dark Knight comes out and you're like, man, what a great movie. And I think even the same month or a few months within that opening, you know, oh, look, Robert Downey Jr. is doing a movie again. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was the same summer. You're right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's impossible to think of it then that, you know, Iron Man was sort of the start of this this whole universe thing that was coming. Mm-hmm. 
And they, they teased it too in that movie, but I don't think that anybody had any idea that it was going to blow up the way it did. So, well, that's a perfect segue back to another movie that nobody would have anticipated would blow up the way it did, which is our, our fast and the furious movie. So uh, tell me some of those critical tape details here. Well, let's see. So the fast and the furious is released on June 22nd, 2001. It was directed by Rob Cohen, who I believe was mostly a music video director up until that point, which makes sense. Um, he'd also worked with Vin Diesel in the Triple X movies, which I think were next year, maybe mm-hmm. 2002. I can't remember. As we all know, the movie stars Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Rick Yoon, Chad Lindbergh, Johnny Strong, and Matt Schultz. And as we know that only three of those people are still in the franchise now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the last four I named are not in it at all i don't even think they made it into the second one and then of course vin diesel michelle rodriguez and jordana brewster are still in it Mm -hmm. i think is jordana brewster still in it because paul walker's not in it anymore unfortunately Uh, for for obvious reasons unfortunately which by the way very haunting to watch a movie talking about talking about so focused on cars and chases and car accidents Uh, i mean we've we've pretty much established by now that paul walker is this generation's james dean right i guess so i mean like it, it sure seems that way uh, but no, very, very haunting, especially when you consider the the way the franchise evolved. Because if I remember correctly, he wasn't in all of the Fast and the Furious movies, was he? Well, so the third one took place in Tokyo. So no, I don't think Vin Diesel or Paul Walker were in that, but it was focused on another character. And I think it's actually, it takes place before the first one or the second one. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not into the, the lore of uh, Fast and the Furious or whatever, but um, I do believe that one occurred earlier in the timeline than it actually in its release. But no, I don't think they were in those. Um, but after that, they, uh, they all started appearing in all of them mm-hmm. until Paul Walker's untimely death, which they, they did give him a proper send off, even though he passed away before they finished filming. Uh, they were able to kind of finish it off and give him a nice send off, which was still a very emotional to, to even see the replays of that and it's kind of become a meme now in in some cases but mm-hmm. uh it's still pretty uh i mean it sucks uh, you know the dude was what he was only 40 i think and uh, there's no terrible. there's no sugarcoating it unfortunately no. it was a terrible tragedy and ultimately a very sad thing it's nice to to have this movie because i do think the truth of it is this movie is probably one of his classic roles as an actor so what is this movie about for those that have been living under a rock for the last decade and a half? 20-year-old spoiler alert. Yeah, 20-year-old spoilers. Uh, you're going to hear about them, um, and uh, you know that's all right, because let's be honest, you've had 20 years to see it. So Los Angeles street racer Dominic Toretto falls under the suspicion of the LAPD as a string of high-speed electronics truck robberies rocks the area. Brian O'Connor, an officer of the LAPD, joins the ranks of Toretto's highly skilled racing crew to undercover and convict Toretto. However, O'Connor finds himself both enamored with this new world and in love with Toretto's sister, Mia. As a rival racing crew gains strength, O'Connor must decide where his loyalty really lies. Yeah, so, and if I remember correctly from the plot of the movie... 
Walker doesn't think it's Toretto, and they they open parts of the movie still trying to figure out who it is. In fact, I actually think Johnny Tran may have only existed in the movie to be kind of a decoy. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're you're right about that. Pretty good synopsis of of the plot as it goes. Uh, this movie really kind of interesting to me. A thirty eight million dollar budget for a movie so heavy on car chases and and a lot of that type of cinematography. Well, it's because they don't rely on the computers, which are insanely expensive. That's where all that money goes, is it goes to paying the visual effects artists to do it in computers. And this one was all a lot of practical effects. They didn't mm-hmm. have a car jumping from one building to another, uh, so they don't have to pay for that to get to get drawn up in a computer. So it's all just done on the streets with Mm. professional racers and it's all practical so that's refreshing to see in an older movie well and the results equally as refreshing a rare sight here a movie that makes back its budget on opening weekend yeah that's what you really want to do yeah i mean you're talking nothing but gravy after opening weekend that's about as good as it gets um domestic gross of 144 international 62 for a worldwide gross eye-popping $207 million. This movie makes its money back darn near 10 times over. Well, eye-popping for 2001, but the highest-grossing movie in the franchise is actually the seventh movie in the series, Furious 7, $1.5 billion for one movie. So just out of curiosity, kind of a fun comparison here, what was the budget of Furious 7? So where I'm looking on... Wikipedia, of course. Yeah. Um, it it gives it a range of between 190 and 250 million dollars. You remember when we ridiculed movies for spending that much money? <laughs> like we would, oh my god, Waterworld cost 200 million dollars. That must be terrible. And people go see it and they just think it's terrible because it costs so much money. Well, and if I remember correctly, part of the reason the budget got so out of hand was they were trying to shoot stuff on the water, which is incredibly expensive. Yeah, that's always uh, that's always difficult to do. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of stories about how movies that shoot on the ocean end up ballooning in cost, and everybody starts thinking uh, the worst about it. Uh, most famous example, of course, is probably Jaws, mm-hmm. which ended up changing movies as we know it. So right. Um, but I mean, they made fun of they made fun of James Cameron for taking too much more money to make Titanic and. I think that was supposed to be a summer release when it came out and then it got pushed back to December and everyone's like, Oh, it's going to tank. It's going to, it's going to sink just like the ship. And it, made more money than any other movie up until that point. So Yeah, it, it, it made an iceberg-sized amount of money, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and now nobody bats an eye at $250 million for a movie because that's pretty much what all these movies cost going forward. And this franchise in Marvel, they're all probably 250 or more. I mean, I think um, they're, uh, they're trying to do sequels to the Avatar movies. Mm-hmm. And I think those are supposed to start coming out next year. Um, and there's four of them that'll come out every other year. So I think it'll be 22, 24, 26, and 28 if they stick with the schedule. But they've been pushing mm. those back for years. I, I will happily um, make an appointment to not watch any of those. Yeah, me, <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, but I think that uh, that Fox wrote, the, well, it's Disney now, but 20th Century Studios, I guess. They gave them like a billion dollars to make all four of those. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, but that's $250 million each, so it doesn't really seem too expensive when you break it down like that, which is, 
which is insane. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of money, no matter no matter who you are. It is, and well, again, for me, like I've said before, one of the I think there's three really good key descriptors about how a movie really is. Quote is a movie. One of them is what you feel about it personally. One of them is what the critics feel about it, and the other is how much money it ends up making. And coming back to Fast and the Furious, you're talking about a movie that, on a relatively small budget for films at the time, uh, turned out a pretty sizable chunk of money. And, and did very, very well. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie a 53, and the audience liked it significantly better, gave it a 74. The Rotten Tomatoes summary, sleek and shiny on the surface, the Fast and the Furious recalls those cheesy teenage exploitation flicks of the 1950s. I'm sorry, not to go after Rotten Tomatoes here, but that feels a little bit like a cop-out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I don't really see that, because I know what they're getting at, but I don't. it doesn't seem like that to me. Unless you're in love with cars, I think I saw about maybe five minutes of total exploitation in the whole film. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, not that that kind of bugs me. I don't I don't know that Rotten Tomatoes got that idea exactly right. But uh, anyway, jumping into the movie here. Just I thought this would be a little bit of fun to talk about because sometimes in these movies we have a lot of information about who had the opportunity to play these characters. And so we can play who almost played this person. So, Trevor, do you have any guesses when Rob Cohen originally wrote the movie? Who did Rob Cohen picture playing Mia? Oh, a very 2001, 2001 answer for you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Who did he have in mind to play Mia? If you got an answer, you better bring it on, man. No answer. <laughs> that was a joke. It's Eliza Dushku. Okay. So apparently he wrote the script with her in mind and she turned it down. Uh, but actually there were quite a few actresses in line to play or who had auditioned for the part. Eliza Dushku had Natalie Portman had auditioned for the role. Sarah Michelle Geller. There's a name from 2001 for you. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Bijou Phillips. Sorry if I say that wrong. And same thing to Miss Dunst and Jessica Beale. All those people had auditioned for the role of Mia, but ultimately, like you said, it goes to Jordana Brewster, who I think for her part did a very, very good job. So jumping over here, there were three other people in mind to play Brian O'Connor, the least Irish O'Connor in the history of films. By yeah, the way. I'd have to say Keanu was probably on that list just because of how Paul Walker plays the role. He's almost he sounds like Keanu to me. It, you know, that's ironic because sometimes this movie reminds me of a famous Keanu movie and that's Point Break. Yeah, it's it's Point Break with cars. It's exactly what it is. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly right. Now, I did not see him in some of my the stuff I read. I did not see him on the list, but it totally makes sense. The other there were two people in this for the running for Brian that you would say, OK, and a third that you're like, huh? Uh, okay. Mark Wahlberg was apparently in the running to play Brian, okay. as was Christian Bale. Okay. The third one is a gentleman you may not know named Marshall Mathers. Oh, you know, I'd heard this before. Yeah. I remember hearing that he was, uh, they were trying to get him to do this movie and he was, he was turning it down because he didn't want to do movies, but that would change in a next year. actually. Well, to be fair to the guy, uh, he did eight mile and eight mile was tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> he won an Oscar for it. So well, yeah. <laughs> And apparently the only other person I could find that they had ever planned to possibly play Dom was Timothy Oliphant. Oh, yeah. No, I can't see that at all. Um, I think this this role is tailor-made for Vin Diesel. And even though I hadn't really seen Vin Diesel in a whole lot prior to this, the only thing I remembered him in before this was Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
his he has become synonymous with this role. Yep. Um, after playing it for 20 years. I would say the only two other films I remember him being as successful in were The Pacifier. He is secretly very good in The Pacifier. That movie was very entertaining. <laughs> and the other it. one, obviously, was he was Groot. So, Well, yeah. He I mean, made a lot of money to say, I am Groot, a lot of times. Just stand in a studio and say that was the <laughs> easiest two hours of his life. <laughs> now, I will throw one other note in here. This is from IMDb because it's so off the wall. I want to kind of source it. So IMDb had a really funny note on this that I thought would have dramatically changed this film. It says Rob Cohen's original casting choices were Mario Lopez as Dominic. No. Mark Paul Gosseler as Brian. And you can go ahead and guess who he wanted to play Jesse. Oh, boy. Uh, Dustin Diamond. Yep. Now, you're a smart guy. What are we recreating? Saved by the Bell. Right. Now, so, what would this movie have been if it is Saved by the Bell with cars? It, well, it wouldn't have been as, um, what would they say in Rotten Tomatoes, sleek. It wouldn't have been as sleek as that. It would have been it would have been a farce, actually, because you wouldn't have been able to go see that movie without thinking of of um, Slater and Zach Morris and Screech at all. You'd just be looking at this movie and that's all you would see. Yeah. Well, hats off to studio execs because that's exactly what they said apparently. And that's basically why it didn't happen. Yeah. That's dodged a bullet there. If they would have, if they would have greenlit that nobody would have seen this movie and there'd be six and a half billion dollars extra laying around somewhere. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go ahead and do this now. I have to get this controversial opinion out of the way. I told you I had a crazy controversial opinion for this kind of a hot take as it were gone in 60 seconds is a better car heist movie. No, no, I don't. If we're talking about the, if we're talking about the Nicolas Cage version, yes, we are. No, 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 no. I don't. That's that movie's flat out awful. Um, this is, this isn't like spectacular. Well, yeah. Okay. So let's unpack that with this. There's actually not a lot of driving in this movie. Like everyone says you go to see this movie for all the cool stunts. There's like one street race scene Mm -hmm. and then there's the, the stuff at the end where they're, you know, trying to hijack the truck and it all goes wrong. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it's a, almost a two-hour movie, and that's all the real driving there is. It's a lot of I car mean, sure worship more than car driving. Yeah, I mean, they're they're putting the cars together, they're working on them and everything, and yeah, they're worshiping them, and they're they're opening up hoods and going into trances and speaking in tongues of different work right. of different motor engine parts and other uh, brand names and things. I don't know the first thing about. So, if you're saying Gone in sixty seconds is a better car racing movie car heist movie yes car heist movie then okay because it actually is a car heist movie well if we're diving if we're going to really unpack it the driving scenes are better and gone in 60 seconds i'll give you that just because there's more of them to um play around with in that Mm -hmm. but like i said over here there's two options there's two chances And, and neither of them are all that impressive really i mean the one that they do in the street is well, first off, I did a little math on that because that's Good, one of the I wasn't I, the only one who did that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, maybe I got it wrong, but um, I uh, that's what I love about this movie is, is they don't care that they're not, like, scientifically correct. Right, no, because that, no, yeah. That first race lasts two minutes and one second. I timed that. Two minutes and one second for that race. And they're going, what, 160 miles an hour? 
150. I, mean, I, I time when I did the math, I put 150 as an average, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did similar. I did similar math and basically came to the con- and I didn't time it out, but I was like, hey, if the movie, if the scene lasts 30 seconds and they go 150 miles an hour, they race a mile down the road. Yeah, I think. Uh, and I, I thought I had written it down, but it doesn't look like I did. But uh, and somehow I, if I remember right, was at the starting line is at the finish line. At the finish line. Yeah. Um, the way I timed it at two minutes and one second going consistently at about 150, 160 mile an hour. Um, oh, there it is. They would have been around uh, four miles. So yeah, if you're going that, and obviously it won't be there. That's why I write around because you would have had to ramp up and then slow down. So it might've been a little bit different, but it's so funny to me, the stuff that they put in these cars too, because they have all these computers <laughs> and things in there. Yeah. And the race is only supposed to be 10 seconds. Apparently they go, it's supposed to be 10 seconds and a quarter mile. And yeah, it, they say 10 reason, second car a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 10 seconds. They're going over a hundred miles an hour and they got all these like computer consoles that they can, you know, type in for the NOS stuff. Obviously, I'm sure you've probably been in a car that's gone a hundred miles an hour or more, you know, um, I have too. And that's really fast. <laughs> oh, dude, a hundred miles cannot... an hour makes you uncomfortable if you're not a yeah. racer. <laughs> and I mean, that's, it, it's fast and you don't want to take your eyes off the road, even if you're in the passenger seat. So I can't imagine just sitting there racing a car and then looking over at my computer to type oh, something I, in to get the. Not to mention, dude, at a hundred miles an hour, the tiniest jerk of the steering wheel can end you. You're right. I mean, and again, but we're talking about a, a tiny bit of, like you had said, a tiny bit of suspension and disbelief. We're in this movie, and if you wind up flying down four miles of city road with nobody around to find you, no police officers, and so many people lined up, eh, swallow it, right? Whatevs. I did kind of like the the first race scene which we're talking about how they all arrive and they kind of block off the uh, block off the streets and they got the guy on the police scanner listening for it um, and they got they, they blocked a pizza delivery driver from crossing mm-hmm. and they were like hey go go find a different way home buddy and you, did you catch what he says after that he said like stupid street drivers or yeah. something goddamn street racers <laughs> well <laughs> apparently that was Rob Cohen. Oh, is it? That makes uh, sense. Apparently, yeah. the, director the, cameo. Yeah, nice little director cameo, dropping a, a great accent in there. Um, no, I, I think that. But again, jumping back, and I'll say this all throughout the episode about going in sixty seconds, just being a better car heist movie. The story was also a little tighter and a little easier to follow. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, one of the other fun things that was kind of fun to track through this film is all of the dated references because there were quite a few. Well, I think the biggest dated reference here is that the source of the heists in the trucks, they show tube TVs in there mm-hmm. and TV VCR combos yep. and DVD players. And he calls it a real money load. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a million dollars worth of DVD players in a truck. I bet I could fill a truck right now with DVD players and it wouldn't come anywhere near a million dollars. I I mean, that's how he gets the Dollar General every week, right? Right. So <laughs> it's... It's funny that that was the what they what they chose because it is very dated at that point and you know in a couple years no one will even know what a DVD player is because everything's mm-hmm. streaming now. Um, yep. I think I even read somewhere in 2001 and I didn't go looking at it uh, for this, but I think I read somewhere that said that this was the first movie that used DVD players as a plot point. 
Huh. Which kind of makes sense because makes sense. They'd only been out for a few years and they'd only been affordable for probably a year. I probably got my first DVD player about the year prior to this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, there were four other references I saw in the movie in terms of dated references. One of them was at the party when Dom hands him a cor- hands, Brian, a Corona Brian is later getting a drink from Mia and he actually gives Mia a Snapple. I saw that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gives her, gives her a Snapple. And then my, one of my other lines that made me chuckle, I, I ran a joke with this over one of my coworkers at school today. He says in 2001, Brian finds out that Dom knows a good bit about him. And he says, you can find anything on the web, yeah. anything about anybody. It's 2001, man. Yeah. And nobody's kind of like, everyone's sort of still afraid of the internet and everything that it can do. And it's kind of like, yeah, watch out for the boogeyman of the internet. You can find out everything about you. That's yeah. kind of the, that's the 2001 equivalent to the 90s police movie. I read your file. Yeah. I checked that's your all- file, Toretto. Yeah, because that's that's in every cop movie from the 90s and the 80s and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. I know about you, man. I read your file. Uh, well, the, uh, the other two were one of probably the last times for a while we would see a character use a map trying to locate somewhere while driving yep. <laughs> <laughs> instead of pulling it up on his phone. The last one is a little unsavory. I actually caught at some point in the film, one of the characters does use a slur beginning with F that is uh, really distasteful and later used to refer to yeah. people of a certain lifestyle. Uh, I heard it used, it's used very prominently in the movie during mm-hmm. an argument or a close fight scene. And my first thought was, man, that's a word you will not hear in movies anymore. Never fly anymore. Yeah. Um, it does at not least go. Not at, in, not in that context. I could see where it might, come up in a different context but as a slur as a as a um as a curse basically you know yes that that wouldn't that wouldn't fly anymore and one of the movies i was watching earlier today for a future episode that we're going to do um i heard some other slurs like that and just commonplace things that people would use to just describe something and i won't really go into it but you right. would use a certain use a certain term to say uh in place of well that's stupid mm-hmm. you know or, well, I'm dumb. You know, you would use that now. But in 2001, people just threw around the the al- alternatives, like, willy-nilly. Like, no problem at all. And people just were like, yeah. Well, and it was and it was much more commonplace to use it in a social setting, almost as an in- – well, not almost, as, a, as an insult, as a put-down. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially, I hate to say it, among, among young men, it was used as an insult. It's not something you see so much in, in young men anymore, but it was definitely something a, from then. And that's a good thing. Definitely. You know, definitely that we've gotten away from that, so – no, with, without a doubt. Um, so, no, those were the four biggest kind of dated references in a movie that had several of them, and there were quite a few to see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, you could also kind of call it a dated reference that Ja Rule is in the movie, and <laughs> he's... I, I honestly think the, his entire involvement in that scene was so he could say the word, Menage, in his voice uh, right. during the race. Well, and I wondered if they wanted him in future sequels but mm-hmm. they couldn't get them because there are a string of other hip-hop artists that pop up in these movies De- several yes there's like Ludacris, i think was in the second one um and he might have been in some of the later ones i can't remember we actually had a um i actually got a question from um somebody asking us about uh about this movie so okay. i'll share it with you here cool that has to do and i think you've already kind of answered it a little bit 
But uh, Jenny wants to know if we have kept up with the subsequent movies in the series. And you said you've not seen any of them after this? Uh, absolutely not, because the movies just became bigger and bigger caricatures of themselves. Um, in a similar fashion, I also saw the first Transformers movie and have not seen a single one since. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, you could almost be dismissive and say, if you've seen one of them, you have seen all of them. There's going to be a lot of car chases, a little bit of violence, and they're going to say family a million times. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there will always be someone in a bikini. In slow motion. Right. Well, and again, you go back and you look at this movie, this movie and probably to a lesser degree, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, which we talked about last week, probably aimed at similar audiences, uh, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) summer movies in general are just aimed at those. And this is the definition of a summer movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen a few of these. I haven't been consistent in it because they're just they're just not my favorite. You know, I didn't dislike this movie, but it's not something that I would just throw on randomly to kill time with and I, I totally have not meant for this to happen but it's just happened this way the only movies in the series i've seen are one three five and seven that's odd yeah very <laughs> odd i i almost feel like i need to go see nine when it comes out just to keep the just to keep the pattern straight that is the only way to get even in this situation you're right I, even then i would <laughs> shut up <laughs> Jeez. Ha. Uh, no, I, I uh, and getting back to back to Jenny's point, uh, I do want to say that there's nothing necessarily wrong with being someone who's into all the Fast and the Furious movies for the simple reason, frankly, that if you're a car nerd, these movies are very much geared toward car nerds and always have been. And car mm-hmm. nerds, even the wrong word, I guess I should call them gearheads uh, more affectionately. But because I have several people that I know who are, are major car fans and, you know, movies like this really speak to them in a way. So. All right, so here's a question that uh, somebody asked us to talk about, and uh, this comes from Sunny, and she asks if either of us thought that Fast and the Furious was actually good enough when we first saw it, where it could be made into so many sequels. (laughs) You know, that is something we often talk about when we're looking at these movies, is could this movie be sequeled or rebooted or franchised? My answer would have been absolutely not. Well, I would have thought that it was definitely in line for a second one, um, especially after it's opening weekend, but, uh, that's probably beyond fair. that, beyond that, maybe a third one. Um, but, uh, I had a feeling something was up when that third one came out because they were, you know, it wasn't Paul Walker and Vin Diesel it was some other character that they had introduced. And I kind of figured that they were setting up for something a little bit bigger and that maybe they were going to continue on with another one or something. But I mean, this was franchises weren't really a thing they were just sort of starting we didn't have the marvel thing and there's there's three mega franchises that come out in 2001 uh that started to come out in 2001 so it was starting to evolve into that area a little bit but um i think that the the golden age of television that we're currently in right now the serialization of everything has sort of bled over into the movies where they can say, well, you know, if TV can do it, if you can come back every week and see an episode that adds to this story, then you can certainly do that with a movie because we're going to be a lot more bigger production and everything, and you're going to enjoy it a mm-hmm. whole lot more. Well, so and it'll, it'll, be more fun to come to back. it'll be more fun to play out over a longer timeline. Yeah, so that's why we've seen how successful the Marvel Universe has been and you know the other the other one that's going to come out later this year is Harry Potter 
And they're still trying to get money out of that by doing the spinoff movies on that one, too. And I'm sure that they'll do another, there'll probably be a prequel trilogy in the works somewhere. Um, but they can get away with that just because of of how uh, people are so accustomed to that now. You know, it's almost weird when a movie wraps up. <laughs> yeah, It's almost weird now when you're kind of like, well, that's it. You know, I don't think that anybody would even listen to a pitch in Hollywood anymore if you didn't have some kind of sequel potential or franchise potential. Right, if you weren't looking at some kind of a multi-movie situation. Well, yeah, even, a like, movie, so- even a movie Knives Out, we, we both loved and thought it was excellent. Yeah. As soon as we heard about a sequel, I'm like, what? Yep. Two sequels, nonetheless. Mm. Well, to and so I guess to succinctly answer Sonny's question, absolutely not. Uh, would not have thought. Maybe sequel, kind of like Trevor saying, maybe sequel, but definitely not 10 more movies. That yeah. are essentially, you know, that a movie that, by the way, the opinion of is greatly inflated among teenagers. Again, I'm a high school teacher. I spend a lot of my time interacting with teenagers. When I taught history, I would often bring in some some movie stuff and, hey, guess this, guess that. And whenever I would ask them to guess highest grossing movies, somebody inevitably would guess either a Kevin Hart movie or a Fast and the Furious movie. So what did you find to be the best scene in the movie? See, I don't want to say any of the driving stuff, really, because that's... My, my answer so, is not a driving scene, if that Yeah, helps. that's kind of cliche or whatever. The only driving scene I really do kind of like was the um, the one at the end with Vin Diesel racing the big American muscle car, and um, they're barely getting past the train. I mean, that's pretty cool, but favorite scene? I don't know. I'd say that the um, the party at Dom's house after the street race and they escape from the cops... That's pretty well done, actually, I think, because it sets up quite a bit of stuff that you're going to have for the rest of the movie. So we meet uh, Mia, like for real. We've seen her already, but Mm -hmm. we have a little bit more interaction between her and Brian. Build that relationship, yeah. Yeah, build that up. And then there's, I can't remember his name, but there's the one guy that just doesn't like Brian. Uh, Vince was his name. Vince, okay, yeah. And how he really liked Mia, and she's she's got a cold line. She's like, where was that place you wanted to take me for dinner? And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to take you here. And she goes, that's cool. Brian, why don't you take me there? I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's cold, man. That, oh, ice cold. Don't do that. Yeah, ice but, cold. Nasty, disrespectful, just chicanerous, to be perfectly yeah. honest. To- totally terrible behavior. I'll bet they actually dated prior to that. Probably, yeah. I mean, I that whole party scene was done pretty well because, I mean, I actually didn't really break my concentration from that. It kept me engaged, which was uh, more than I can say for other scenes in other movies, but this one uh, in particular there. I do like how it ends because it ends so abruptly that I had to laugh about it because she's like, she looks at Brian, Mia looks at Brian and she goes, you need to get some sleep and you definitely need a shower. And then what happens? We like jump cut to the next day. Like, you need a shower. And then nothing interesting happened after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually think there's the abrupt endings play an interesting role in later parts of the movie, uh, which we'll get to in a second. I think it was kind of genius. But I will tell you my favorite scene in the movie is a totally different take. And it's really, in my opinion, a credit to Vin Diesel. So okay. Vin Diesel, I think, is underrated for his ability to deliver lines. And for a guy that is an action movie star, speak pretty darn clearly and show, I think, some some pretty good acting. And case in point, in my opinion, is the scene where he is with 
Brian in the garage alone talking about the wrench attack. So that was an interesting little arc in the movie where in order to demonstrate what a bad guy Dom was, the police chief had showed Brian the pictures of Dom attacking after having attacking this guy with a, with a wrench, I think. And he's messed up. He looks nasty. And it's all part of him trying to be like, Hey, Dom's a bad guy and you need to stay away from him. He has no self-control, blah, 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 blah. And, Vin Diesel gives this monologue about what led to him beating the guy with the tire iron or not mm-hmm. the tire iron, the, the, the wrench. And he delivered it so thoroughly and with good tone and pace and so much intentionality. Uh, in fact, I w- you go back to the scene and he talks about what happened to the guys, like about the guy working at a school and having to take the bus. When he does it, he like puts his hand on a part of the, on a part of the garage and then leans and like takes this kind of deep breath and intentionally fumbles over a word Mm-hmm. to show off this emotionality about what he did um, yeah. communicated really beautifully in the scene, I thought. And that actually was my favorite scene in the movie. Well, now that you mentioned that, I, I, I am reminded here, too, of a moment toward the end of the movie when, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the guys gets injured or shot and he's laying on the ground and he starts bleeding out. And Brian comes and Vin Diesel comes, too, and he's got no other choice but to save this guy's life. He's got to call in an ambulance and give his, you know, blow blow his his cover cover. right in front of Vin Diesel. And they hold the camera on Vin Diesel's face after he gives his badge number. And his face goes through all kinds of emotions right there as they hold on to it. And he just goes from it's, it's like shocked and then confused and then just betrayal. Mm -hmm. And it all happens very, very subtly. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's so good. He's he's so good in that. And, you know, I don't think that they've given him a whole lot to work with in the subsequent films, the ones I've seen at least, because he just seems to kind of be, like you said, it's mostly a caricature now. It's all like, we got fast cars and we're family. I mean, that's really yep. the only thing that's tying these movies together now is, is those things. We're going to have a big car chase and we're all family, so we can't betray anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that moment right there shows that the guy actually can act when he's given the opportunity to. And of all the times where he's given a chance to shine, it's this movie. So, and I had totally forgotten how good he was in this movie, especially in that moment there. That all being said, when I'm comparing it to a movie that it's not as good as gone in 60 seconds, if you go to the end of gone in 60 seconds, it's the end of gone in 60 seconds is tied together by just an epic car chase with the police and Eleanor and all the other things happening. And he gets away and he doesn't the end of fast and the, of the fast and the furious, in my opinion is real convoluted. And frankly, I think that Paul Walker walks off to the police and they have no clue how to untie this knot. So they just end the movie. Well, it is a pretty typical ending for, and I'll call it a 90s movie. I mean, we're only two years removed from the end of the 90s, so they all kind of ended like that, you know. Once mm-hmm. the once the main plot's resolved, it's like, oh, time to go. Because a lot of these movies today, they try to load it up with too much. They try to put all these different little subplots in there that they, you know, don't know how to resolve within the movie they wait till the very end so it's like once the main plot resolves then we got five other subplots we got to tie up because we didn't want to do that before the ending but you see some of these movies that are written a little bit better they have the subplots that they can start and finish 
within the time frame of the main story arc. Well, so. the, yeah, well, and that's that's my my beef is I was literally sitting there thinking, okay, how are they going to circle all of these squares? Like, how are they going to Brian has shot and killed Johnny Tran during a car chase. He has raced with Dom on the streets. Dom is getting away with his car. He has participated in saving a man who was robbing a truck. Mhm. And essentially been an accomplice and aided and abetted in the commission of that crime. And, you know, he calls an ambulance and is not led away in handcuffs. Yeah. And so there was just, there was an awful lot that I was like, man, how were they going to wrap this up? Man, how did they wrap this up? And they didn't. They just, okay, movie, the aristocrats. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> the, um, Maybe, like I said, I've only seen one, three, five, and seven. So maybe they cover some of that in number two. I don't know. I don't know if they knew they were going to get another one or not, or if they thought this was just going to be a standalone thing. Yeah, they do kind of get out of there pretty quickly. I will give you that. Um, but they also get out of there pretty quickly in your favorite movie of all time, apparently. <laughs> well, it's not my favorite movie of all time, but it is a better movie. And okay. And again, the movie is called Gone in 60 Seconds after all. Right. Well, and the best part of that movie is the Eleanor chase scene at the end. That is done well. I do enjoy that. That's the only thing in that movie worth watching. So I was working at the movie theater when that was out, and I really just wanted to save people from the uh, boredom and awfulness that is that movie and just thread the last two reels through the projector <laughs> and just let them see that and be like this is what y'all really came here to see i'm just gonna skip to that the, the rest of this movie you don't need to watch just throw it away uh i don't know about all that <laughs> so to 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 finalize our journey here down this down this road race that we have taken trevor what do you think about this movie the second time in the rearview mirror um it's still good i mean i don't it's not anything spectacular but I don't hate watching it. Um, I, some of the some of the things I noted about it are pretty sarcastic, but I, that's just how I take notes. So um, no, it's I, I liked it in two thousand one. I still like it today. Um, if if uh, my son ever gets to an age where he's like, "Hey, what's this about?" then I'll be happy to show <laughs> it to him. I don't I don't hate it. It's just a it's just a decent movie. It's fun and it's entertaining and i know i've kind of come across as being really cynical about things and <laughs> not really you know saying like oh well yeah it wasn't very yeah it was entertaining but it was terrible or yeah it wasn't very entertaining but it was good um but yeah in this case it's kind of it kind of works for me so this one works for me i i don't hate it i enjoy it it's fun but what about you so in the rear view again, I thought that this movie was good, was entertaining, it was enjoyable. You can't really talk about the movie without talking about Paul Walker and seeing him in this mm -hmm. role, which, uh, again, a good role for his career, but later just becomes iconic with his passing. Uh, in fact, to exercise my own personal demons about it, I was watching Paul Walker being like, you know, man, he was pretty good because my worst memory of, of, of being a, a critiquer of movies was absolutely shredding Running Scared, which he was in, for really no good reason, just to be a pompous jerk. <laughs> so, Paul, wherever you are, man, very sorry. You did a great job in Fast and the Furious. 
Well, uh, well, folks, I think that's going to do it for our little drive here. Uh, it's definitely been a long day, and we look forward to seeing you again sometime. We'll tell you all about the next movie later. Trevor, we want to get our folks ready to tell us their questions and thoughts on our next film. So what's that going to be? Well, our next film is going to be uh, probably our first really serious movie that we've talked about, and uh, we're going to check out um, Steven Spielberg's homage to Stanley Kubrick, A.I., Ah, yes. AI. Very serious movie. I do remember this. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking, looking forward to talking about that one. We would love to hear your opinions, not just on the movies we've been talking about, but also on the movies we're going to see later and any questions and thoughts you have about it so we can share them with everybody else. We always love it when people tune in to listen to the show. And please remember to interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Rearview Movies, TikTok, at Rearview Movies. And you can also hit the next step and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Don't forget to tell Trevor in the comments just how good Gone in 60 Seconds is. But props to Fast and the Furious. You guys take care.